This morning, I want to start out with a simple question. And I know that sounds, for many of us who've maybe been here for a while or whatever, and you're like, Kyle, there's really no simple questions with you. And you're absolutely correct. I say it's a simple question, but the reality is I think this question is really a convicting question, a question that each and every one of us has to answer. And it's very simple of, do you believe that God is everything in your life? Do you believe that God is everything in your life? Do you believe that God is everything when it came to your bank statements? When it came to your lifestyle, would your heart say that God is everything in your life? Is he everything in your life? And do we trust him with everything? Does that mean we trust him with all of our relationships? Do we submit to his will, his plan in all of our relationships? Do we submit to him in our jobs, our finances, in every single little decision that we make? Do we submit to him? Is he everything? In our life? Or are there some things that we say, you know, God, you can only come this far? It's kind of like this light that Josh has created for me. He says, Kyle, don't go outside the light. I feel like the Lion King. Anything light touches, you can have, but don't go. Um, is there anything in our life that we say, you know, God, you can only come this far? You can have my life, but not this relationship. I'll give you my life. I'll surrender my life to you and even my heart and my love to you, but this one thing, this one relationship with this one person, you, God, have to be hands off on. For some of us, it might even be the idea of, God, I'll give you my heart, but you can't have my possessions. I'll give you my heart and I'll follow you where you lead, but God, don't ask me to do anything with my checkbook or my possessions. Don't ask me to use them for anything that I don't want to use them for. One of them that was convicting for me, I, I sat in a conference and we were talking about youth and children's ministry and also when it came to youth and children's ministry and finances. And this is what one of the speakers said, that there's often this idea of, God, I will trust you with my children, but not my checkbook. I was like, Bro, you are gutsy. And he elaborated. He said there's, there's many days for years upon years upon years that he has seen it in the church where us as parents would drop our children off at the door and I'll trust you to mold my child's mind and their heart and teach them about Jesus, but yet I will never trust you with the dollar from my checkbook. That one for me. Stung. Is Jesus, is God everything in my life, or do I have a line that I've clearly drawn? And as we look at our hearts, I think one thing that God has made so clear to me as I've walked with him is this, is that I have drastically, drastically underestimated faithful obedience to him and overestimated my emotion in the moment when it comes to my finances. I want to say that one more time. I have drastically underestimated faithful obedience to him, and I have overestimated my emotions in my finances. 
Let me explain that. I would give when I was sitting there and I got that warm, fuzzy feeling of like, oh, this is a good time. Like, I'll throw money in. I got the warm, fuzzy feeling. Or I would give when I could clearly see the cause and I believed in the cause at hand. I'm a millennial newsflash, one of the most cause-driven generations of all times. So I see the cause and I'm like, I like the cause. I'll give to the cause. Y'all know what I'm saying? Okay, or, or like, I'll give when I see there is a benefit to me. Guilty. Guilty. But I wouldn't give obediently. I wouldn't give obediently when I couldn't see or didn't have the faith of what was going on behind the scenes. I wouldn't give when I didn't see the bigger cause. Or I wouldn't give because there wasn't a clear benefit for me in it. I underestimated the obedience and overestimated my emotion. When I do that, God has led me over and over and over back to that simple but yet hard question. Do I truly believe that God is everything in my life? And as I was processing this, John Wesley has this quote, and and I love how he puts it. This is what he says, ask not how much of my money will I give to God, but how much of God's money will I keep for myself? When you start to process that and break that down, I think in order for us to understand what we're talking about today, it's not a secret, it's not a hidden agenda. I'm not sitting here trying to do anything besides just preach the word, and here's the reality of, we're talking about tithing today. Now, for some of us, even sitting at home in our comfy, lazy boy and PJs probably, we squirmed a little bit, because I said that word, tithing. But I, I want us all to take just a deep breath, Breathe in his spirit, breathe out the worries and the, the anxiousness of the world, and just know it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right, I promise, promise. And I think in order for us to have these conversations, we have to clearly define what even tithing is. And here's the best way that I've, I think I've heard it is tithing for many of us is defined in this way of returning the first 10% back to God. And it's a strategic way of putting it, returning the first 10% back to God. And here's the reason why. Every month, every single month, I have the first 10%. Every month, the first 10% is there. Okay? But for sometimes in my life even, the last 10% hasn't been there. You all know what I'm saying? But the first 10% has been there. At the first of the month, whatever day it is, it's there. But at the end of the month, it might not be there. And there's been this tug and pull even in my life of, of <clears throat> when do I give? How do I give? Do I just wait till I know that I am secure and good and everything? Or do I do it right away? Every month, the first 10% is there. And tithing defined as giving back to God the first 10%. It's giving him the first 10% and then trusting him with the rest. Trusting him with the 90% that he has blessed me with, that 
in that 90%, he will sustain me, he will provide for me, he will multiply it in some ways that I may need for that month. And trusting God in that. And I think for me, as I prepped for this, but even thought in my own life, I'm gonna be the, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit this. I struggled with tithing for, for a while. Personally, <clears throat> I struggled with this idea. And I could boil down my struggle to an idol of greed for myself. Idol of greed. I wanted more. I wanted the, the nice new cars or whatever. I wanted the nice new shoes. I wanted the nice new clothes. I wanted more. Greed. And I think for a lot of us, if we're looking at our culture and even our, ourselves today, there's probably a struggle within some of us that we are struggling with this same idol. And last week we talked about the reality of how we view money, that money will make us safer. Money will make us more secure. Money will give us more happiness maybe, give us more things. But the reality is, is those things are fleeting. They don't last. When you die, you don't get to take your money to heaven with you. They're just things on the earth. <clears throat> and at the end of the day, money can buy a lot. Money can buy a lot. But money cannot buy you the favor and salvation that Christ offers you. No matter how much, how much, no matter how much you give to the church, it will not buy you salvation. Period. Let's be clear about that. As we dig in today, I want to make something very clear. I, I believe truly biblically that God calls us to walk obediently and faithfully in our finances and not just in the feel-good moments. Not just in the feel-good moments. That means obeying him in the faithful worship of tithing. That means going on beyond that even and trusting him with our finances fully. And tithing is not just a simple act. And I want to make sure we're clear about that. We've talked about this before of Tithing is not just this obligation. It's not that we talk about money out of manipulation or even try to, you know, distort what it is. Tithing is an act of worship. And we don't worship for love. We worship from love. That's tweetable, y'all. We don't worship for love. We worship from love. And giving is worship. So when we give, it's not this worship that I give so that I receive more from God. It's I give because I am so madly and deeply and passionately in love with my God who has so graciously and generously given me so much. He gave me the breath this morning. He's given me sunshine today. He's given me a car to get here. For your guys' sake, he's given me clothes to put on. God has generously given to me. And I worship him out of love. And here's the reality. We said this last week. God doesn't need our money. <laughs> like God doesn't need it. He doesn't, he's not sitting here on the verge of bankruptcy. He does not need our money. God doesn't need our money. He already owns everything. We are just stewards of it. How good are we doing at being stewards of God's stuff? And when tithing, and we understand it as an act of faith and worship, it helps keep our hearts aligned to his heart. 
Our hearts align to his heart. And as we continue to go on, I think about this. There's this heart of worship, the heart of God that comes so clearly when I think about giving. The reality is that God himself is wild about generous in a giving heart. You don't believe me. That's cool. You guys know what Jesus taught the most on? The kingdom of God. Trick question, kind of. Kingdom of God. You want to know what he taught second most on? Money. Money. (laughs) Kingdom of God. Money. That means Jesus taught three times more on money than he did on love. But yeah, we preach on love a lot. What about this? Jesus, this is a shocker for some of us. Jesus taught seven times more on money than he did on prayer. Y'all know how many times Jesus prayed in this thing? He taught seven times more on money. He taught more on money than he did on heaven, than he did on hell, and even eternity. 17 of the 39 parables that Jesus uses and talks about, 17 of the 39 Use or talk about money in them. I'm not good at math, but that's almost 50%. Do we understand that Jesus, that God himself, is madly and passionately about a generous and giving heart? Why? And why does he talk about it? He talks about because I think that God fully knows the tension in our culture. Our culture will play our, our, our world and ourselves and our emotions against each other. Our t- culture will play our obedience to God and what we believe. And it's not just with money. It's about our core beliefs. It's about our, our foundational doctrines. It's about our core theology that we talk about and we, we hold in our hearts, our world and our culture will, will play those things, our obedience against the emotions of acceptance, the emotions of thrill, the emotions of happiness. And they'll pit them against each other. And they say, you cannot have this and this, so take your pick. Jesus talks about money because he knows the world plays our obedience and our emotion against each other. And they pit them against each other. And that's why so often I think we have this op- opportunity and this mindset of, well, I'll just give when God prompts me to give to something. Oh, then I'll give generously. But I'm going to wait for that prompting. Or, or the idea of, I give, to other God, I give to God in other ways besides finances. For some of us, that's like, Kyle, you're coming after me now. <laughs> Hear me out, love. God has called us to, to walk obediently and faithfully in discipline in the area of our finances because it is the one area of our lives that is directly tied to our hearts. Directly tied to our hearts. Remember, we, we focused a lot last week on where your treasure is, there your heart is as well. And so we clearly can see this. And in the word, in God's word, it says, and, and don't miss this part of that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And don't miss this, because this is what's so important. So God gives us Jesus before anyone really believes in Jesus and who he is. 
Why? Because God's heart is for us, his people, and his heart is a generous heart. God gave us his one and only son generously before we even deserved it. There's a moment that God didn't wait to see if we would straighten up to receive Jesus. He gave freely because God treasures his creation. God treasures his people. God treasures his children. So he gave Jesus over to death to pay a price so that we can be with him. God is a generous giver. And if we're called to walk and to act and to, to live as Christ has lived, that means we also have the opportunity and the blessing to be generous givers as well. And that's the gospel, right? The gospel message of Jesus was sacrificed so we can be redeemed. Jesus, even in himself and how he lived, worked in the sacrificial system that God had set up. He was God's best. He was God's firstborn, his pure and spotless lamb. Jesus works within the whole entire sacrificial system that even God set up all the way back in Old Testament. And Jesus works in, in and through that. And tithing here. Tithing's a starting place. It's a place where we determine a minimum obedience. Minimum obedience. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes it this way. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Continues on. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. We have to understand that he's using this imagery that would be well known to the people. A farmer. And he says, if you only plant a few seeds, you're only going to get a few crops. But if you plant a lot of seeds, you're going to get a lot of crops. And we trust, and we trust that when we plant these seeds, that they're going to take root, that they're going to grow, that they're going to sprout up, and they're going to bear a harvest. And it's just that same way for each of us. It's the same way that we do so with the place of worshiping God and sowing what he has given us. And trusting God in our giving, we get to see him work in and through our lives in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. Not only just through provision, but also through sustaining us, blessing us. And I'm not just talking about material things. Hear me on this. I'm not a guy who believes if you give more, God will give you more. Prosperity gospel, I, I, don't, I don't buy into, I don't believe in at all. I believe that when we walk in obedience with God, we start to see a greater picture of even the fullness of God in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I desire to see the fullness of God's glory. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want just like the, the bits and pieces. Like, if I go to the Cheesecake Factory, I don't want just a slice. I want the whole cake. But my wife says, we can't get the whole cake because she's a lot smarter than me in that because I'd eat the whole cake and then I'd have to buy a whole new wardrobe. See, I want the fullness of God. I don't want just the, the little piece here and the little piece there. I want to see the fullness in God. 
And I truly believe that when we sow what he has given us, when we sow these seeds that he has given us, that we begin to see things not just in the material, physical world here, but in the spiritual as well. The spiritual awakenings. When we give freely, what lessons, what things spiritually is God showing you in your giving? What spiritual things of God being the provider? What spiritual, spiritual things that God is the sustainer? Is he showing you in that? What spiritual awakenings and movements and, and stirrings is his spirit doing when we cheerfully give because he has so cheerfully given to us? What things may spring up, what things may take root and sprout in the seeds that we are sowing in life, in our life, all because we've walked obediently and faithfully to him. I've often thought about this, and, and when you, in the church context, there's a lot of this kind of like, craziness, I'd say, when it comes to finances and stuff, because it's just a different world in some ways. But for me, I, I've often had this idea and this thought in my mind of God has given so generously to us that when we have the, the opportunity in the moment where we get to worship him in our giving, I may never know the names of the people that get impacted because through our giving, God has been able to work in ways that I don't even know. I'm thinking of kids at the high school who are now getting food to take home on a weekend because of your giving. They might not even know it comes from a church. But what they don't know that I know for sure God is doing is God is working in that and saying, I am the God of provision and I'm providing for you. And there may be a day where a child who took that home, who comes to know Christ because of your faithful giving, financially, materialistically, and even spiritual time that you are giving, there may be someone whose name you may never know, who you come across in heaven. And that might be the moment where they look at you and maybe they just say, it's because of your giving that I'm here. There may also be someone who says, it's because you walked across the road and you invited me to church. Imagine that day in heaven when they said, it's because you walked across the street and you shared the gospel with me that I am here. Do we understand that when we sow the seeds generously, we may never even understand the full harvest and crop that will be harvested one day? There's a story in Luke 16 of a faithful follower of Christ. And I want to give the context background and then we're going to jump into that and Jesus speaks these words that Luke records after a parable of a manager. It's a parable of a manager who wasn't managing the master's money well. So the, the master comes to the manager and says, you have failed in, in, in a way, and so you will lose your job. And so we see that this, this manager analyzes the situation, and he says, well, I should try and fix this. So he calls those who owe his master money and begins to make deals with them. And his master catches wind of this and he basically confronts him. And, and it's this, essentially this question of, why did you not manage what was given to you? Why did you not manage the money that was given to you in the first place? Why did it take you losing your job 
to get things in order. And then this is what happens, verses 10 and 11. If you are faithful, Jesus says this, if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. And if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you're untrustworthy about the worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And we have to understand that when Jesus is talking about the little things here, he's talking about the earthly things. Christ compares the money here, our physical money, to the little things in the passage. The little things. He talks about if we don't handle the little things well, how are we going to handle the big things when God's trust gives us that trust? If we don't handle the worldly things, how are we going to handle the heavenly things? And here's the reality for me. As I've wrestled through this idea and the, the reality of finances and tithing, I truly believe at the core that God is calling us to a simple thing. And it's this. If we are not willing to do the simple things that God asks us to do in obedience here and now, we may miss the supernatural things that God has planned for us. If we are not faithful to do the simple things here and now, the simple things of giving obediently and faithfully, the simple things of sowing those seeds generously, the simple things of trusting him in our finances, we may miss the supernatural things that he wants to do. And again, I don't know about you. I don't want to miss out. For some of us, we've maybe heard of this term FOMO, fear of missing out. I, I, don't, I have FOMO when it comes to the supernatural things of God. I don't want to miss out. I want to be on the boat. I want to be one of the first ones on the boat. I want to be that guy who sees the boat going, and I'm going to jump on the boat. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to miss out on the supernatural things. And so if God calls me to do the obedient things here today in this earthly realm so that I can see the heavenly things that he calls us to, I want to walk in obedience. And I want to be held accountable for that. I want to be held accountable for that. Because I truly believe that when we walk in obedience, and when we do so with our finances, and we do so out of joy, I believe that God moves and reveals his heart for us. When we obey him and his commands, we begin to build trust in his presence. We begin to build trust in his spirit in providing for our lives and sustaining. Earlier in the last week, I reached out and um, I had a conversation with, <clears throat> with someone who attends here. And I just asked, I said, like, how, how have you seen God move in this area in your personal life? And they, they emailed me their story and their testimony of what they've seen God do. And it's incredible. And this is what it says. And I, I want us to understand this. For me, their story is exactly what God is about. Our heart's position towards him and his unfailing, everlasting love for his children. Don't miss that. The story that we're about to hear today, it all is about God's heart for his children. And it says, uh, this is what it says, when we started attending the story, we did not tithe at all, ever. I started helping out, though, and serving, and the money we made, though, that was ours. 
And let's face it, there was just never enough. I think most of us here probably can relate in some way, shape, form, or another. There was moments where we couldn't even make our bills, so how could we even give? And hear me, it didn't change all at once and getting to the point where I finally understood that none of it, the money, the belongings, the time was mine anyways, was a painful journey. Over time and different sermons on giving in God, we felt more and more pressed to try this. And I became convicted in my spirit about obedience, which is not my strong suit. I generally prefer to ask for forgiveness rather than permission. For me, I was like, I get you. I get you. That's like, we wasn't saying, I get that. And when it became clear that following God meant doing it, not just in church, but in my relationships, in all of my finances, in my time, in my efforts, we could not ignore that giving our tithe was part of following and worshiping Christ. This conviction became a dual question of if I'm going to trust that God will provide what we need, and he always does, and if I was really going to keep the first portion that never was mine, but intended for God's church. Essentially, in the story, God is simply asking them, so where's your treasure? Where's your heart? They continued on. <clears throat> I could go into numbers about last year, we gave more than we've ever given before to the church. I could go into numbers about how God provided us more than we've ever had before. But that is not the point. And I love that they recognize that. And then in their own words, the point is that when you realize how much you are loved by the creator of the universe, you want to serve, you want to obey, and look for ways to love God back in any way you can. This is the reality. Where is our heart? When it comes to tithing, when it comes to money, do we walk around with our fists clenched and saying, God, you can take what's ever on the top, but don't take what's inside? Or are we truly walking around with our hands wide open saying, God, I recognize everything is yours. Everything is yours. It never was mine in the first place. I'm just a steward of your resources. Whatever you ask, whatever you want, whatever you need, it is yours. And I trust that you will provide and give me enough to continue to do what you have called me to do. As we close today, as we close today, as the band comes up in a few short seconds here, it's a simple question. Where is God asking you to walk in obedience and faithfulness to him when it comes to tithing and finances? Some of us have worshipped in this way regularly. Some of us have been faithful tithers from the very moment this church was started or the very moment that we first got here. Some of us have have walked in that obedience faithfully over the years. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Some of us have given occasionally, maybe it's been that emotional giving when, oh, I see the cause, I see this, and I get the warm, fuzzy feelings, and we've given. And, and from the bottom of my heart, hear me on that. Thank you. Thank you for those gifts. And I'm not, I'm not you know, an idiot, I know that there's some of us here who probably have never given before. 
I get it, okay? But from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening and showing up with an open heart, asking God to speak to you week in and week out. Not mean that. Thank you. Thank you. I think that as we continue to, to walk in worship of our God, there's something to be said about faithfulness and obedience over feel-goods, feel-good moments of emotion. And for some of us, what does that mean to take one step? For those of you who've showed up and you've never given before in your life, what does it mean for you to take that one step from zero to one or two percent? Let's just start there. From zero to one or two percent. For those of you who maybe have given faithfully, what does that look like for you to move from five percent to eight percent maybe? Or for those of us maybe who have given faithfully and generously, what does that mean for us to trust God even that next step of faith and move from 10% to 12%? For others of us, it maybe isn't a percentage, but maybe we've said, you know, my goal is this year, I, I want to give the church, I want to give God five grand. What does it mean for you to trust God and say, God, I want to go 6,500? And I trust you to provide so that I can and continue to worship you in that. But I'm going to give to you first. And the more I've personally walked in this, the more that I've seen God move in ways I can't even explain. This is a moment I'm going to be fully vulnerable, transparent with this. And so hear me on this one. Of <clears throat> This is not something that I'm asking you to do. If me, myself, am... I'm going to do it too, and I've been doing it, okay? And here's the moment of very blatant honesty. There's a moment that I was sitting in this office, and, and I've given 10% from the moment I started here. There's a moment where, and I'm thankful for this moment, Josh watches our finances with the team, and he just asked me a question. He's like, have you guys... Have you been faithfully tithing on both incomes? And there's a misunderstanding where I thought Courtney set up uh, auto whatever from her account and I did it on mine. But she thought I took care of it all. You know what I'm saying? Y'all ever have that? And uh, like, the, the, it's just like this and y'all ain't communicating right? Relationships? Right. I do. Most of the time it's like Courtney's on the right level and Kyle's like, right so there's this moment where we did not communicate effectively and we had this assumption that each other did it and I'm so thankful and hear my heart on this I'm so thankful I'm so thankful that we have people in the church that we have people who who love me enough to say Kyle you walking in full obedience not because we need the money not because God needs the money but because God wants to do so much when you so generously. And after that day, I remember going home and I, I asked Cord about it and she's like, no, I thought you were doing that. You take care of all the finances and stuff. I was like, yeah, that would make sense. And so that night I set it up, I corrected it. Because we truly believe that we need to walk obediently. I'm not gonna ask you ever to do something that I'm not willing to go first and do. 
I won't do it. And so if I believe to the core, which I do, that God asks us to walk obediently and faithfully to him in our finances, I'm going to do it too. And I'm going to be held accountable for that. Not out of, not out of authority or greed or whatever, but out of love. And I'm thankful I have people in my life who love me enough to call me out when I don't walk the way I should. Because when we give to God, it's always a return. It's always a return to God what he has given us. It's always a return to God of what he has blessed us with. It's a return to God of what he is doing. It's always a return. And I am truly convinced, I am convinced at the core that God will always multiply what we are willing to fully surrender and trust to him. He will always multiply it in only divine ways that he can. Because when God is everything in my life, it's that simple question, is God really everything in your life? Because if God is everything in my life, I am willing to surrender anything to him in my life. If he is everything, I'll surrender anything. Hands wide open. So what's God asking you to surrender today? When it comes to your life, when it comes to finances, when it comes to whatever it might be, what is he asking you to surrender today? It may be right now for some of us. It's not the warm, fuzzy feeling, but you're feeling the Holy Spirit and conviction to walk obediently, to start to tithe. And maybe for others of us, it's to take that next step of faith, to trust God, to move from one to three, 10 to 12, 5,000 to 6,500, whatever it might be, maybe that's you. To prayerfully ask him, what are your desires, God? Uh, as we continue to worship this morning, we have the opportunity to continue to worship out of response to what God is doing. So for some of us, that might mean prayerfully sitting for a moment with God and saying, God, where are you speaking to me, especially in this moment, especially when it comes to this topic? And that may mean for you to, to set up your automatic giving. He may stir you and convict you to do that. He may stir you and convict you to do a one-time gift. He may stir you and convict you to start trusting in him. Let's just start there. As your, as, his, as your Lord and Savior. Whatever it is, however you respond today, whether it be online or the physical baskets, when it comes to that, I want to encourage you. Don't respond without going to him first. Prayerfully, don't respond without going to him first. I'd love to just invite you to continue to worship with us. And invite you to just pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the sun that's shining, for the air that we're able to breathe, for the, the moment that we're able to be here together, Lord. Father, I pray that you would continue to speak in dynamic ways to us, Lord. Continue to stir. Father, I pray that your spirit would sweep over us, Lord. And for those of us who need to take the next step, Father, that you would give us the, the perseverance, the strength to do so, Lord. For those of us who need to start to tithe, Lord, that you would just move us to a place where we can truly trust you with that. 
And Father, for those of us who are sitting here who maybe just need to start with surrendering our lives to you so that we can fully surrender all of our finances and our our things and everything in our life to you, Lord, I pray that you would move in that way as well right now, Lord. Speak. Speak, Lord. Speak in in the ways that only you can. Father, we just worship you. All of this is for you, your kingdom and your glory. We praise in your name. Amen.